Welcome to Nutrition for Life, the podcast that goes beyond your plate, brought to you by Herbalife Nutrition. My name's Carol Walker, and in each episode, I'll be speaking to guests from right across Europe to explore some of the biggest topics in the world of nutrition and food, from food waste, safety and sustainability, to the rise of plant-based protein alternatives, dieting, food labeling, and the cost of food, we've got it all for you in this series. And in this episode, we're talking about food and gender. How and why does our gender affect the foods we choose? And does the food industry target its products differently for men and women? We'll also consider the way our age influences our habits and our diets. My guests today are Oidas Juland, who is a senior researcher at Nofima, the Norwegian Institute of Food, Fisheries and Aquaculture. Oidas has worked extensively in consumer and sensory science and has a particular interest in how age and gender influence food choices. Hello, Oidas. Hello. Thank you for the introduction. Good to have you with us. Also joining us is Vari Russell who is the founder of the Food Marketing Experts, a UK-based marketing agency dedicated to the food and drink industry. Vari has more than 20 years' experience in the food and drink industry. Hello to you, Vari. Hello. Thanks so much for joining us. Before we get on with our chat, as always, our producer, Steve Bland, has been out and about to find out how couples view each other's choices and eating habits. I don't think he makes great choices because he doesn't eat three meals a day, skips all day, and then kind of eats and graces into the night. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I, I don't make the best choices. Um, my sort of philosophy is I just like to like what I'm eating. So I know there's healthier ways to eat and healthier things to eat. We, we eat pretty much the same anyway. We eat quite similar. Um, so yeah, yeah, we cook the same. We cook. We have like a meal plan and stuff, and we just cook the same. She's vegan. I wasn't vegan before, but I'm now pretty much. Now. <laughs> I'm pretty much a flexitarian, is what they call it now. So I just, I just eat anything. Um, it's funny you actually ask this, to be fair, because I have like a not like a problem, but I'm like really weird about what I eat. Like I don't really eat any um, any carbs. Yeah, we'll try not to. But then like, Gabby eats like I eat a lot more. A lot of the time, I eat everything. I, I eat everything. She probably eats pasta too much. She eats pasta like all the time. I think during the week we are both fairly good. Monday to Friday. Yeah, you, um, you tend to make soups, don't you, for yourself? I like homemade soups. Homemade soups. It's mainly because it's Fat Club Wayne on Fridays. And we eat healthier at tea time, don't we? Plenty of vegetables and. We just occasion occasionally on a, a weekend we'll have a takeaway as a treat. Maybe two takeaways. Sometimes. <laughs> Oidis, let me start with you. What are the main differences when it comes to the behaviour and the food choices of men and women? Super good question. And the first thing that comes to mind is meat and choice of meat. Uh, traditionally, uh, meat has been uh, sort of the preferred. Uh, food for men, in particular red meat. And also for many, many years, then uh, women, they were subject to eat 
less meat because the men had the first choice. And it seems also that uh, they prefer white meat to red meat. And this is uh, quite interesting because it's, uh, it, uh, is, um, it's connected with a lot of other values uh, in connection to meat. I think actually this is changing slowly in the younger gen generations, but I would just like to say something about why uh, the red meat has been so preferred by men as compared to women. And it has to do with... Uh, uh, well, the symbolism of red meat, it symbolizes strength, it symbolizes health, lots of proteins and minerals and stuff, and then it's um, maybe the whole meat, it's a bit hard to chew, you have to take big bites, which is something that uh, men would do and women wouldn't. In On the other hand, uh, white meat, it's a uh, softer it's easier to chew you can it isn't so um obvious because of the color and then you would say, think that that's uh attributes sensory attributes that women would prefer and that's been shown for many years ago that uh, those are some of the reasons why the meat choice is so different between the two genders uh, and Vari, presumably, the food industry is very aware of this. Does that mean that they really market a lot of their red meat at men? Um, I haven't worked in the meat industry specifically, but I know that within marketing, we're always segmenting down to find the primary, secondary and tertiary customers for any brand. And therefore, it's about finding those sweet spots that make that consumer tick. I'm working with like-minded brands to ensure that the brand reaches the right customer and finds more of them, whether that is Sophie, age 25, who lives in London, who shops in Planet Organic. It, it's about finding that profile of that customer and therefore where they shop and the emotive triggers that make them tick that they want the brand to buy into. I wonder whether what we're seeing here is a kind of cycle in the way um, that our food choices and then the marketing and so on almost sort of increases the old stereotypes of what men and women like and don't like or should or shouldn't be eating? I think it's it's hard because that's constantly changing. Um, so the rise of Veganuary and the vegan market and also people with flexitarian diets, um, I think it's very hard to be stereotypical at all now. Um, there are, in certain sectors of um, society and certain certain generations yes those stereotypes are probably very typical um, but certainly with millennials and um, gen z it is much much more complex in terms of mm -hmm. deciding who and what products you need to target and how you need to target yeah i just i mean i wonder whether um, that perhaps meat might have been traditionally the choice of men, but that now those stereotypes are, are getting reinforced. Well, I agree with Vari, actually. it's uh, we see, uh, I was sort of saying that this has traditionally been the difference between men and women, but we see also now in recent research that uh, it's really changing. Men, uh, to a much larger degree, are changing their uh, food choices in a more, um, what should I say, flexitarian, vegetarian 
sustainable environmental uh, way, but it's primarily in the younger generations. They are following the young urban females that have been the traditional vegetarians or vegans for that uh, in that sense. And then now the young men are following suit. However, we find also in our research that uh, some segments of mostly men are super traditional and really uh, we call them carnivores because that's the meat they or the food they really like to eat and they really won't change. They're heavily against changes. And so that, those uh, guys, I would say, they are on the opposite side. So, but it's like Vari says, we have more segments, consumer segments now than we had um, not so many years ago. And they can be approached uh, differently, I think, uh, in marketing. For instance, if you want to, to change some people's behavior in a more sustainable direction, then uh, knowing these segments, knowing what characterizes them, and uh, if there are, since we're talking about men and women, if there are more or less men and women there, uh, which, um, how do we argue to make them change their behavior? It's quite interesting that we are talking across the industry is a big discussion about going vegan or being flexitarian or plant-based but actually there's now more conversations that we're hearing where consumers are saying okay I am I'm adopting a flexitarian diet whether I'm male or female but equally I am shopping more locally and more about the provenance of products so therefore I'm opting to have less meat but I'm paying better for better quality products so it then yeah, I and his historically I can only speak from anecdotal experience, but when my husband and my late father used to go shopping, they always came back with the premium products. Whereas I, as a female shopper with three children, I will be shopping to a budget and I will be going, Okay, this is if I buy X, Y, and Z, that's this meal solution for Monday, then I'm shopping for Wednesday. So shopping in a female mind is very much more solution driven cost driven and kind of your your far more and I'm hugely conscious of the environment so there's all those shopping cues going on in your head as you're doing your online shop or your physical shop and I don't think that the male mind is working in the same way so yes we as marketing agency we would need to talk to different audiences in very different ways um, and you know they say men are from Mars and women are from Venus I'm not gonna make any comment well, I, th I agree with you, and we have actually research showing uh, uh, that your anecdotal uh, experience, it's uh, what we also find, because we find that uh, women are more the providers and the carers of the family, and uh, what they choose uh, is based on what they think are the needs of the family more than actually what they would like to eat. So it's uh, and it's uh, very driven towards uh, providing healthy food, nutritious food for the family more than what are the um, are the their own uh, choices. Men would, uh, like you said, choose uh, foods that they would they would like to eat. That's my choice. I love a, well. If we're talking about meat, I love a steak. Uh, then. Uh, at least what we find in our research, 
Then the, the woman, she would say, I will buy uh, uh, minced meat because it's cheaper and because the kids like it. And yeah, for, for other reasons. So Vari, when it comes to uh, women, it's fascinating what you were saying about the way that women approach the, the food they're buying in different ways. Um, presumably the food industry will then also gear uh, a lot of its marketing and targeting um, of food for children towards the women. How does that work? Um, it works in a multitude of different ways. So again, it comes back to profiling that perfect customer and seeing where she shops and what she reads and what platforms from a social media perspective she views and then doing some probably some geo-targeting across social, but also understanding when she's in key buying cycle windows. So, for example, there's been a big campaign throughout July and August about back to school before they've even broken up. So the brands will be selling in school uniform, they'll be selling in packed lunches, then they'll be selling in the snacks. Those will be running in key magazines with key um, social media campaigns going on so that, you know, Baby Bell is front and fore of your mind as you're doing your online shopping because that's the perfect cheesy snack to have in their packed lunch, for example. Um, and then the same would apply for Christmas, Halloween, et cetera. So it, and then it's about making your brand have that stickability. So whether it is that you're creating delicious mouthwatering recipes that really resonate and mean that she can turn a meal around in five minutes or it pulls at your heartstrings like the John Lewis adverts at Christmas. It's all those different cues that help a brand get into that basket and stay in that basket. And we know that any time we open a newspaper or magazine, there seems to be the new uh, miracle diet that's going to ensure you live a long, healthy life and probably make you more beautiful as well. Um, or just, are women more susceptible to that sort of approach, perhaps more susceptible to following specific diets or is that something that's changing and perhaps uh, men are doing it more as well well i think actually that men is doing it more but uh, i think this is something that uh, women has been doing for many years and it's overriding their preferences they will choose foods not because they primarily like them very much but because it has to do with health and when it comes to Health, uh, dieting is the most important health factor, at least for younger women. When they become older, health is more about avoiding uh, different types of illnesses and stuff like that. But as long as they're young, it's about how they, uh, well, manage their weight, actually. And then they will say that, uh, I like this kind of food. Uh, because it's uh, um, fat-free food or whatever. It doesn't really have to taste very good, but they like it because it's something that makes them or they think it makes them slimmer. While for men, health is slightly different. It has to do with building muscles, feeling fit. Although uh, it's uh, become a problem now, I think, with more men also dieting in in the sense that they... Uh, try to lose weight or the other one that's called megarexy which is uh, trying to build muscles so men also has this um, these issues now that with health and food consumption but in a different way than women 
And how is that reflected in the way that the food industry approaches this, uh, Vari? Do you think that they do tend to pick up on when a certain diet is particularly trendy, you know, the no carbs or the keto diet or or whatever it is, and then try and market their foods accordingly? Um, I definitely think that goes on. Um, it's not something it, it's quite hard when you have a keto product, for example, to really it's a small percentage of the market. So you have to either really nail your messaging and make sure you, you get that growth within that keto sector. Um, but also you need... You should probably just explain that keto is basically no carbs, isn't it? I think that's what it is. <laughs> yeah, and it's becoming more and more common. I think it's quite interesting since the pandemic, your health really is your wealth. And therefore, people are far more conscious of what they're putting in their body. And there was a lot more scratch cooking because of the pandemic and people were prepared to try new products. Um, but I think that the evidence is showing that people still really care about what they put in their body. And it's about communicating the right messaging. And if you are part of a, a diet offering, you need to be really strong and make sure that you've got all the supportive claims that you can substantiate. Um, but it's a diet is a really difficult word for me because I've got three daughters and I don't I think it's food choices and lifestyle that need to be conveyed rather than a strict diet. Um, but I know that within the circles and just in the supermarket last night, um, Davina McCall was selling her book over the audio in Sainsbury's last night and that there is a lot of evidence now around what you should eat if you're going through the menopause. And I think those are becoming front and fore and therefore the messaging around certain products like collagen, for example, is becoming increasingly more mainstream and more popular in terms of food choices. Um, I completely agree that we as women will eat things that we know are good for us rather than that we actually enjoy. Um, you know, we all bung in a bit of super green powder into our smoothie in the morning or, or collagen, but it's just it's conveying those to the right audience so that you get the the um, return on investment from a marketing point of view. Otherwise, you're pushing water up a hill in a very expensive sector to get the growth and the brand presence that you need. Oidas, do you think women are perhaps more conscious of the foods that they need or the particular nutrients that they need? Um, for example, if they're if they're pregnant or trying to get pregnant, if they're breastfeeding, um, or as Vari was mentioning, um, if they're approaching the menopause or going through it. Well, I think that uh, women think they are more conscious than uh, well, if they are more conscious than men, I'm not sure they think like that. But I think that women are. Uh, more conscious about what they put into their bodies, but it's not really uh, always very well founded in in uh, what they really should do. It's more like they follow some kind of hype, uh, some new guru that uh, turns up and says uh, you should eat uh, or drink coconut milk every day because that's good for you, and then women will do that. I think also there's a, or I don't think, but we know that there is a difference in what types of products that appeal to men and women. And in this sense, you might say that protein powders is typically something that would appeal to men. Uh, 
you know, on f in fitness centers, for instance, building muscles, and uh, because they are sure that they need all this kind of protein to uh, build the muscles after they have been uh, doing whatever they do in the fitness centers. While women would uh, think differently, and I would think, unfortunately, that uh, a lot of uh, interest will be uh, in products that will make their skin better, for instance, <laughs> uh, in addition to losing weight, of course. But then that's... Um, maybe a bit stereotypical for me i think you're right because protein has seen massive growth in you know from the powders all the way through to bars with protein in and um the information we've gained from the sector is that most of the consumers in the uk certainly have enough protein in their diet they don't have enough fiber and you know a third of the population are only having a third of their fiber each day let alone fruit and veg and i think it's really interesting that no fruit or veg brand has a massive marketing budget and it speaks volumes because that's the stuff we're supposed to be eating we're supposed to be eating seven portions of fruit and veg yet you know a large percentage of the population will be lucky to get two in their day rather than seven and i think until the budgets are there for the brands like tender stem that you can name veg fruit and veg brands on one hand there's so few and i think until the marketing budget is behind those brands we're always going to be sold more solution driven products rather than natural. These are really good for you because it's just come out of the ground kind of scenarios. Although the marketing, Vari, is always very subtle, isn't it? I mean, people are that there are strict rules about what claims the food producers and manufacturers can make about their products, but they always try and make them appear as though they're good and healthy and good for you and they'll make your children grow up blooming well and incredibly intelligent um, by these sort of subtle messages that go that go out and you know even a, a, I don't know a pot of yogurt that's full of all kinds of sugar and additives will have pictures of a of a cow happily grazing in a in a green field and I wonder whether you feel that that is somewhat targeted perhaps towards women and, and women wanting to make healthy choices. I think it's really difficult. And I think that um, the hierarchy of the messaging for a brand focusing, targeting women versus men is always slightly different, um, as is the brand look and feel um, and the fonts. And, you know, there's different criteria, criteria that I guess we would look at if we were doing a male versus female um, brand option. But yes, it, the brand will be engineered and created to focus on its key target customer to get the sales that the brand needs um, and it is a very difficult balance to be had in terms of not overselling the messages keeping within the regulations and also not making it too nuance heavy in terms of you know an idyllic life for you know you're going to go and run through blades of grass because you've eaten this yogurt and it's so good for you Oidas, I know you've looked a lot also at uh, ageing and food. Um, what is your main finding there? I mean, do our eating habits and choices change as we get older? Or um, is it just that or do older people just carry with them um, their, their way of eating and cooking that they've always had? Well, at least they think they... Uh carry on eating as they have uh, normally done 
when they uh, retire and when they grow older. But there's a clear uh, difference between men and women in the, in the older uh, generation, because first of all, of course, there are more women than men, uh, but uh, women, they say that I'm really tired of cooking. I've been cooking my whole life and I would like some other people to cook for me. I'm, I, and uh, quite a lot of women, they just um, stop making dinners and they just snack or eat less or they don't eat at all. While men, on the other hand, they don't know how to cook. So they, some of them, they go to cooking courses and some of them, they meet at senior centers or in cafeterias and eat out or they eat a lot of uh, ready-to-eat meals. So there's a big difference between the genders in the older population. And uh, men also, uh, we find, uh, are um, they're not so interested in food. It's, uh, but in a different way than women, they but they eat because they have to, or they eat because they're uh, used to eating. They don't really care so much about what they put in their mouths. They just eat because it's what they have always been doing. And they normally, both men and women, they eat less than they did when they were um, adults or, um, well, up to, let's say, 65 years, just to put the well, some kind of limit. Um, and they don't really think that they need to change their uh, intake, food intake. And uh, as such, uh, older women are a lot more vulnerable than men because they eat less and they're used to, to dieting. And then they continue to do this uh, slimming dieting uh, um, behaviors, and so they uh, they are vulnerable in a not so good way when it comes to uh, getting all the nutrients that they actually need. Vari, we don't see um, much uh, many food pod products that are really targeted at the older generation, uh, do we? I mean, is that perhaps because, as Oidas was saying, maybe they they eat a little bit less or perhaps um, that they are going to be less adventurous, more like, uh, less likely to be tempted by the messages which the food industry are putting uh, out there? Or, or, or is it um, perhaps just that the food industry is more interested in trying to um, hook people when they're younger in the hope that they can keep them for longer? What do you think? I think it's quite interesting that um, that information. I think brands like Cook are really good at getting that older grey pound um, and getting them hooked in because they offer really easy solutions but that's a very kind of affluent middle class brand of choice um, and then you've got brands like Field Fair I think they're called who do the home delivery of, I think that's their name they're, they do home delivery meals but yes I think it's much harder to get brand loyalty within that sector because they are traditional shoppers and they've shopped in that way and therefore they know what they like and they're less keen to try new things as a as a cohort. Um, yeah, it's an interesting one, but some of them have, so, like every sector of the market, there are some that are really keen to try new things and others that are stalwarts. And if I think about my mum versus my in-laws, my mum's always keen to try new things, but my in-laws are falling into that category where my father-in-law doesn't really cook um, and my mother-in-law doesn't want to cook. 
and so they and they are eating considerably less so actually it's quite a challenge to get the right nutritional value into both of them um yeah so i think there's there's gaps in that sector but i think it's a challenge because most of the products that would need to be in that sector are medicalized in terms of the fact that you would buy them in the chemist rather than in the supermarket how much of a problem is that uh that perhaps older people are just not going to be getting the the nutrients they need, um, especially, for example, if they're vulnerable to, let's say, osteoporosis, um, where your bones become quite brittle and they really need, you know, the, the, the right amounts of calcium and vitamin D and stuff. And if people are less likely to be cooking for themselves from fresh foods, um, and, and perhaps just spending less time thinking about food. Perhaps, do you think, Oidas, that um, maybe uh, uh, some older people are uh, leaving themselves vulnerable to to other problems because they're not uh, sufficiently focused on the nutrients that they need? Well, I think uh, yes is the answer. Uh, and uh, the biggest problem actually is uh, proteins because uh, for the generation as a whole uh, or the population, you will find that they eat uh, sufficient protein, but the protein uh, needs increase with age. So older people actually need more protein per kilo body weight than uh, an adult do. And um, eating proteins is not so easy because proteins often make the food chewy a bit hard to chew, it can be hard to uh, swallow, and it is harder to digest. And uh, all of these factors, and it also makes people feel more full. Of course, you want them to eat more, and then they feel more full because they eat more protein. So it's it's really difficult in this group. And um, I think that... uh, what what we find when we study the older persons is that they don't really want to uh, buy products for elderly. They uh, because they don't consider themselves as different from others, but they so they don't want to go to the these part of the stores that says uh, baby food or uh, senior citizens food or whatever. And they think that, uh, like protein uh, powders, for instance, which they actually could be using to fortify their foods, but this is something that only uh, athletes and uh, you know crazy people at fitness centers use. So it's uh, uh, from a marketing point of view, actually, this is a, an interesting challenge. How can you um, make and sell protein-rich foods? to persons, older persons who really needs it. Okay, and I just wanted to go back to this question of gender that we were talking about earlier. What about transgender people? Uh, Where do they fit into all of this variant? Do you think perhaps the the greater awareness uh, of transgender people, who are still only a very small percentage of the population, but the greater consideration and sensitivity um, towards them, is that perhaps changing perceptions, changing marketing? I think it is, and I think it's a very challenging um, question in terms of how they are communicated. 
because there will be products that fit into both um, male and female camps and therefore appeal to the transgender sector of society. Um, it does appear to be a growing sector, so it's definitely something that can't be ignored. Um, and therefore, it's a brand's responsibility and their marketing team to make sure that they are mindful and don't cause offence, but equally um, tread that that boardwalk very carefully to make sure that the brand is available and accessible to everybody. I think, I guess, it's similar to how brands and retailers have dealt with the pride situation and making sure that they convey that rainbow on their pack packaging or in store and that they really engage with that sector of society so that they feel included i think yeah i think that is uh, a very good question and from a research point of view i i think it's super interesting because uh finding out how uh this transgender identification identification how this might influence food choice and food preference I have absolutely no idea, and it would be so interesting to uh, see if there's something there. A good one for you to work on in future. Um, Oidis and Vari, thank you both so much for joining us today. And of course, thank you to you for listening to this episode of Nutrition for Life, which has been brought to you by Herbalife Nutrition. Check out Herbalife Nutrition at IamHerbalifeNutrition.com for more information. And if you have any questions or thoughts you want to share on anything you've heard in this podcast or to join in the conversation on social media, just use the hashtag, hashtag Nutrition for Life. And please join us again for another episode of Nutrition for Life, the podcast that goes beyond your plate. <laughs>